This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 55, and we're recording on Friday, May 30th. I'm Jeff O'Neill, and I'm here. I'm here, here. Like, here. actually here. Actually here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're the editors of BookRiot.com. We're live to tape. Uh, Rebecca's in town for BEA this week, and uh, we're in the same room, and I don't know where to look. I'm looking at the computer. It's I- weird. We've done 50-plus of these in different rooms, so my eyes know to go at the computer. So that's where I'm going to keep them from. Yeah, right. We we did this last year, and it was like the fourth episode, maybe. Yeah, very early on. I was so distracted by how hot and sweaty we were, because it was a million degrees that day, that I couldn't think about the fact that it's weird to be in the same room. But I was lying in bed last night thinking, okay, I usually stare at my computer and I gesture with my hands in a room by myself, and now we're gonna- yeah, no, like, Now we're both gesturing right, at computers next so to each other. So just picture us waving wildly, <laughs> but we're here together. Yeah, it's we're great. here, it's good, it's good. We've had a good, we've had one full day of BEA yesterday. We're going back into the breach um, again later today. Um, so we're a little light on news, I'd say, this week. Yeah, a couple of news do... stories, we'll do some walkthroughs and stuff we saw at BEA, um, and books and just general impressions and uh, things of that nature. But let's do our first sponsor. Our first sponsor, again this week, is I Read YA. Uh, Scholastic Publishers, This Is Teen Community, throughout the month of May has been sharing the simple statement, I Read YA. Uh, so if you read young adult books too, they would love to hear from you. You can tweet your YA book recommendations at this underscore is underscore teen, or you can use the I Read YA hashtag to join the conversation. Uh, there are authors and readers participating from all over the place. And not only will you be able to pick up great book recommendations, but you'll also be entered to win great YA prizes. Uh, So that is Scholastics This Is Teen Community and their I Read YA campaign. You can also check out thisisteen.tumblr.com to celebrate your YA pride with Scholastic and to see a bunch of great book recommendations. Uh, And yeah, we're glad to have them sponsoring. Again, I guess this will be the last one for them since May is over now, but YA certainly a big deal. doesn't seem to be uh, quieting down at all, and we've been seeing a bunch of it this week at Book Expo. Yeah, so I, the big, um, I don't know, the most controversial maybe book, the most interesting one to keep an eye on I saw was uh, The Endgame. Oh, I haven't the, seen that you, one. You were the, we were there with Preeti at the Harper booth, mm. the James Frey, right? Yes, yeah. So it's James Frey's big new dystopian YA series. Um, and they're doing a video game around it, a huge marketing push. They had artisanal ice cream sandwiches at the Harper booth um, to promote you it. They had excerpts. how big a book It's super violent, apparently. Um, we've been told. I haven't looked at the excerpt yet. Um, but there was a big ad in the Daily Show, um, I guess, book that Publishers Weekly puts together 
So that's the big YA title, I think, that I saw. Yeah, I um, well, I had lunch with A.S. King yesterday, who's young adult oh, novels. Oh, nice name drop. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever, thanks, yeah, no um, problem. Right, I thought uh -huh. I'd just get that out of the yeah, way. Right. Um, she's one of my favorite writers, and, and certainly my favorite YA writer, and she has a new book coming out later this fall called Glory O'Brien's... Oh, now I'm terrible because I no. can't remember the rest <laughs> of the time. Glory O'Brien something. Glory O'Brien something about the universe uh, that sounds really wonderful uh, and just, you know, weird and interesting. So I'm looking out for that as well. And one thing that we both saw that there's a giant banner for is um, Scott Westerfeld, who is a really well-known YA writer um, from the Uglies series mm -hmm. was his first uh, big breakout, has a, a Pride and Prejudice, like basically Pride and Prejudice fanfic uh, coming out called Afterworlds, where Darcy creates like new worlds and stories for Jane, and mm. she lives in them. Uh, but giant banners, publishers Huge putting out a lot of their dollars. So it's kind of like uh, what's Shahrazad, I guess, where it's telling someone else stories, but then mm. she actually lives them, or there's we're not we're not really sure, but um, I think the mystery is part, of, part it. of it. How's yeah. that going to yeah. work? But uh, also, a nice, interesting message from publishers that we're not tired of Pride and Prejudice. Uh, yeah, I was yet. thinking about that. I mean, it's not really a... It'll be interesting to see how much... are they. Is he just using the names and sort of leveraging the, the idea that we already know the dynamic? Or will the mm. characters be something like they are in I, the... Yeah, I don't know. So, lot, lot to lot to find out about that one. that's a bottomless well. Um, other big books we saw, uh, The Bone Clocks by David Mitchell, which... Um, Review copies had been trickling out for a couple weeks before, um, but I think interesting. This was definitely the big literary book getting mm -hmm. the most publicity. Yeah. They had a big ad and a big banner, and uh, Mitchell is signing there today, when, I believe. Yeah, it's the first year in the last several that I remember big banners and big galley pushes at BEA for adult heavy literary fiction. That's, like we've been I wish, seeing. That's a wish I knew exactly. Yeah, if I remember. I'm probably wrong. But yeah, it's the, it's the only one that I remember, and uh, it's usually like the Justin Cronin passage or when the Twelve was coming out. That oh, was can we talk about Justin big. Cronin? Do you want to talk about Justin Cronin? Well, just Cronin? because he's it's not here. Right. That that's uh, the new the third book and do we are we do we have a name for the trilogy? We're just calling it the Passage, the Passage trilogy. trilogy. is what yeah, I Yeah, um with. if you know it it's a it's a vampire dystopia literary Yes, yeah, so vampire viral right. future dystopian like a government exper experiment goes awry and these 12 uh Participants in yeah. the experiment become these viral, sort of modern vampire characters, and so the third things and final. The, yeah, well, that's what we're, we're led to believe. I think it's pretty official that's the final book. Um, Never say never is supposed to come out this October, mm -hmm. and the last. Um, I guess it's been every other year since it right. came out. When a book had been coming out, what was this second one called? I can't the remember. twelve. The twelve. Um, it, the Passage had a huge banner and a bunch of stuff going around. The 12 had a huge banner, a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff going around. And this time, Bupkis. So, re, it's, who knows? It's, it's hard to read information into to a negative space. <laughs> um, I would think if it were ready... Well, even if they just had a cover, they could do a, ban yeah, a big banner. Yeah, they do a big banner for it. I kind of wonder if they don't even have to. Like Maybe, maybe they're like, yeah, we're not going to spend however much right. that stuff costs to promote it. It's been it. such a big deal. Yeah. Um, and the books have been so popular and well-received, which is really great for Justin Cronin, who came from serious, yeah. straight literary mm -hmm. writing, that 
the third one's going to be big no matter what. Though yeah. I'm sure there will be a big marketing push and we'll see ads for it all over the place eventually. But maybe they're not going to do galleys. I kind of like maintaining mystery about mm-hmm. the end of a trilogy. Because the two years ago when the 12 was at BEA, that was the one a bunch of our folks mm-hmm. were trying to score. Right, and we, was... I think we even passed around a we couple. Did. We, we yeah, mailed around, it across like, country yeah, back and forth. Yeah, we traveled from New York to Canada and back again. Yeah. But so I think that's, that's the that, the David Mitchell is the one that that's going to happen with on our team yeah. this year, and uh, one that's not on the list that we're looking at, but that I know we have people standing in line for is Meg Wallitzer's forthcoming uh-huh. young adult book. I think it's Beljar is the pronunciation. It's B E L Z H A R, but it's her. It's a contemporary young adult story that's inspired by Sylvia Plath's The Beljar, mm-hmm. uh, and Meg Wallitzer is you know, a great adult fiction writer. She's you know funny and smart and very you know forward thinking and has great you know feminist uh, content that doesn't hit you over the head in her fiction and I'm really excited I'm going to read the bell jar for the first time uh-huh. so that I can you know pick up my references here um the other one too just I'm looking at a couple right now um that we saw just I'm just thinking what we saw banished for there's a no there's a no Judy Picot novel coming mm-hmm. out there's uh, how do you say that guy? Uh, Carl Hyacin? Yeah, Hyacin. Did you see that ad that's on the stairs mm-hmm. going in? I thought that was interesting. Um, and I can't remember the name of the title, which tells you a little bit something about the advertising. But there was ads in the men's restroom. Oh, for yeah. This we should, why they were in the women's restroom, yeah, too. Yeah, I, I think I took a... No, I didn't take a picture. I'll take one later today so I get the... But it was like... <laughs> Screenshots It was bathroom. like, flush while you still can. It's like... Right. This yeah, is, yeah, it's like flush <laughs> while there's still water. While there's still water. Um, so that one was out it's there like, as well. It looks like a, if there were a TV trailer for it, it'd be like, in a world where the <laughs> toilets no longer flush. <laughs> yeah, so that was that's interesting Creative to marketing. see. Um, uh, we talked about Scott Westerfeld. Some of these other things are just notes. Oh, the, I was going after maybe one Gallius. I'm not a Galley mm-hmm. person. TBR0, um, TBR0. But um, they had a co- FSG apparently had some Galleys of Marilyn Robinson's new novel, Isla, uh, the third in the... Who knows how many volume? It should go on forever. I, I certainly hope so. Gilead trilogy, I guess we'll call mm-hmm. that. Um, that's coming out in October, but I missed out. But I saw I saw the galleys. And, they're uh, very pretty. They're pretty, and it's about the same length as Home. It looks like in that maybe high two hundred area. Um, so that's one too. We both randomly yesterday we were walking kind of on our way out, right? Yeah, we were just cruising. We were getting ready to get out, and some and what is it? It's Grand Central Publishing, right? Um, one of the publicists there said, are you interested in the new Hannah Pittard? And we're like, yes! Yes, we are! Yes, we are. Um, Hannah Pittard's new novel called Reunion um, is coming out. Does he has a date on it? Uh, it's coming out October. October. Coming out October. Um, and this is her second novel. Her mm-hmm. first novel came out, I looked it up last night, it came out in 2010. Yeah, in the pre-Book Riot days. Yeah, I reviewed it on my, my own uh, The Reading 8 blog back when. It was called The Fates Are Find Their Way, which... Um, was, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. It's not a perfect novel in my estimation, but it was a plural. It was a plural narrator. Narrator. Uh, um, these guys, the, the the boys of a small town, thinking, talking, reacting to the disappearance of a girl mm-hmm. in the town. I don't remember the main character's name. Very interesting book. Um, and this one is right. Rebecca and I, <laughs> one of our favorite genres, is, which we call getting the band back together, yeah. um, which is where you have some kind of reason for a bunch of old friends or family members or colleagues. Uh, it's called Reunion. And it's a family where the patriarch has died and they're coming back together. And the main character is trying to figure her own life out, but also figuring out that maybe she's a little bit more like this 
not a monster, but a problematic mm -hmm. father figure than she thinks. Um, so we're looking forward to that one too. You yeah, picked out a nonfiction. I did pick out a nonfiction. I was thinking about the Hannah Pittard. I think that's one oh, of sorry. the yeah. delights of Book Expo. Yeah. For, like people like to complain about Book Expo, and there are certainly <laughs> some soul-sucking elements of being in a convention center for three days, but stumbling on a book by a writer that you like when you didn't know the writer mm -hmm. had a new book coming out, and then you know, the added pleasure of discovering that this is a book that's right up your alley. Uh, that serendipity is one of the great things about the show. Um, and yeah, my, my nonfiction pick is one of those as well. It's called The Marshmallow Test by uh, Walter uh, Mischel, I think mm. is how you pronounce it. He's a renowned psychologist. And so this hits the other side of my brain that loves uh, psychology and human behavior. And he is the um, psychologist who devised a very famous uh, experiment where they would put kids in a room, uh, like one toddler at a time, and they offer the toddler one marshmallow now, or you can wait, uh, I think five minutes and get two marshmallows later. And so it's about instant gratification versus delayed gratification. And they took the results of that study and tracked those kids into teenagerhood mm. and adolescence and correlated the results of it. And then of a bunch of uh, other studies that attempted to replicate the design to, to look at long-term outcomes and what can you predict about people's personalities and their long-term behavior and success um, based on whether they take the one marshmallow now or they wait and they take the two later. Mm. Uh, and it, it's blurbed by Daniel Kahneman, who wrote Thinking Fast and Slow, uh, which we both loved. It's coming out from Little Brown in September, and they had a ton of them. So I think uh, Little Brown is looking for that to be uh, a big book. But if you like the contemporary psychology uh, sorts of things that are written uh, for readers who are not experts, but who are passionately interested, I think this is going to uh, ring all my bells. Mm. And if you're playing Book Riot podcast bingo, you can just mark, <laughs> mark that yeah. box off. I've got another one. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but um, one of our longtime uh, writers, Rachel Manuel, and I were going through the the book yesterday, and this is one that both we both of us thought Book Riot people might be interested in. I'm interested. Called the Taste Makers by David Sachs. Hmm. Um, and it is, uh, the subtitle is why we're crazy for cupcakes, but fed up with fondue <laughs> and it's a history and phenomenology of food trends. Oh yes. So he, um, is a food writer and he's won the James Beard award for food writing and he's written in the New York times and things, awesome. everything else. So he's like, he goes back and takes some case studies and tries to trace where mm -hmm. they came from and how they caught on and then what happened to them. Right? Like we're not, none of us, I mean, I guess we might have fondue at a party as sort of a joke. Um, but you know what's not a joke? Kale or chia seed. I mean, these are the things right. that everyone's or excited bacon about. bacon on everything. Right. It's like, you know, chia seeds were a novelty houseplant, and now it's a thing that people are using and claiming have all sorts of power. So um, that's from Public Affairs Press, a press I know nothing about, and it is out right now. It actually came out on Tuesday. So if you're interested in that, I think it's, it's only 334 pages. Nice blurb from A.J. Jacobs, um, who is uh, oh, well-versed well in these sorts of... Um, pop culture, history, phenomenology things. So that's another one I was in. You know, one other couple, uh, it's always, we're not either of us super into like the celebrity book mm. signing part, but Tales from the Show Floor, I think yes. is fun just for a second. <laughs> um, so Neil Patrick Harris was there yesterday. He was. Signing excerpts mm -hmm. from his, is it memoir? It's a, it's a choose your own adventure right, memoir. Right, yeah. Oh yeah, we, maybe we didn't, we talked about it on the side, but I don't think we talked about the I don't really know what that means, no, but I, don't I want to read it. Um, and the line was, I think that was the biggest line I mm -hmm. saw, and understandably so. Yes. 
Um, another one I saw that I hadn't seen happen before, Jesmyn Ward was there oh, with she was. Bloomsbury signing copies of Men We Reaped, huh. which has been out for a year. That's great. Which is great. I just, I don't, it, uh, this usually, is my fourth year doing this, yeah, and I don't think I've ever seen a book right. that old um, yeah, that's unusual. being um, promoted. It's a, I think it's great. It's I guess her it's memoir. probably coming out in paperbacks. It's already out in paperbacks. Oh, okay. Um, so, well, I, we can check that, but uh, I thought yeah. that was interesting. Billy that Idol was there. Billy Idol was Yesterday, there. Don't there's touch. There's always a rock star. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, I met Flava Flav a couple years ago. Rick Springfield was there last year. Yeah, Rick Springfield was there. I think he, Rick Springfield's been there twice. There's been oh, Carlos there. Santana was there this year. Oh, he has a I memoir coming up. We watched Right by Bethany Frankel from yes. the Real Housewives of New York, and I yep. think she makes the skinny girl margaritas, which is a concept that makes me want to cry, <laughs> <laughs> cry tears. Yeah, um, the for Billy Idol, um, <laughs> I realized I was telling Michelle this story, and I had said I said David Bowie, oh. which tells you something about how I think about musicians. But anyway, um, he was there signing his memoir, but you couldn't interact with him. There's right, like a, yeah, there was like know. a barricade, and he signed the book and like you could pushed see. across like the post office it's like, plexi. And it's not the author petting zoo; it's like the author viewing mm -hmm. area. Um, mm -hmm. And we had some contributors wait in line for that, and they, you know, waited. They got, I think he was signing excerpts or promotional yeah, material or something. And so you could walk by and look at Billy Idol, like wave <laughs> at him, but you couldn't speak to him or, uh, or or tell him, you know, there was no fangirl moment right. uh, for folks with Billy Idol. Um, the, and uh, Jason Siegel is there this morning, He's doing I saw. a breakfast this morning, uh, and I think he has a children's book coming out. So the the tweets have looked like he's talking about the magic of stories in children's yeah. lives. And he's also playing David Foster Wallace in a new uh, that's right. biopic. Yeah. So he's a literary guy uh, mm -hmm. all the way around who maybe we don't think about as being literary because he's also very funny. Anything else you noticed from the show floor that's worth talking about? You know, it felt a little like more subdued to me in mm -hmm. previous years, but I've been trying to methodology corner myself and uh, ask if it's because I didn't get there until noon yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so typically if you're there at nine o'clock on the first morning you get to see them you know open the gates and it's kind of the <laughs> running of the bulls uh, or people trying to you know, get to the galleys that they really want or get in line for the signings that they're most excited about or just rush to their first meeting and get it over with um, but the floor seemed it's nice this year they've moved um it used to be all the big publishers would kind of be in the center the big six previously right. and now the big five would be clustered in the center and things radiated out and they've moved them around as anchors so Random House is on one far end and Penguin is kind of in the middle. Uh, Norton is in a different spot. Hachette is spread out. So you have to go through the smaller publishers and some of the technology stuff in order to go between the big five, uh, which I think is a nice layout. And I think it that also might contribute to your sense that it was calmer oh, because maybe. there was no sort of Times Square right, no of the show floor. Right. So because Random House was on the far north side, I guess, excuse me, south side of the pavilion. And then you could go all the way to the other side, and I think um, SNS, and then Penguin was on the far other mm -hmm. side, which is interesting that since they're they merging, spread them out. yeah, yeah spread them out. So it wasn't. I think that might have contributed to some mm -hmm. degree that it doesn't feel as crowded. But people seem to be good in spirits. We asked people if the show is going well. Yeah, said, yes. everybody seems happy. We saw tons of uh, ebook focused things. Oh, lot. naturally, lots of book plus suffix. Yeah, <laughs> book karma. I mean, it's book it's likes, kind of a Mad Libs yeah. gener name generator. And, uh, actually, a thing that I noticed in meetings yesterday um, was that. Three different publishers told me that they're really thinking about how they can market their backlist mm -hmm. more, uh, which is a thing readers think about and that we think about all the time. That most books that 
are bought are backlist. Most readers are not just reading new releases all the time, but publishers tend to focus on those new books as their primary uh, marketing points. But they have these huge back catalogs of other great books. And I think maybe ebooks are part of what's driving that. But and, uh, several people tell me that they're really starting to try to think about how they can market backlist as well. And mm-hmm. I guess in a vein of like, well, we have a new Margaret Atwood coming out. And so also pushing uh, her backlist to readers who are interested in that sort of thing, just by way of example. But there is a new Margaret Atwood coming out. Yeah, which it's, wasn't there. By it's the, not there. here. Oh, I, or I haven't really seen anything sad. about it. Yeah, yeah uh, but she's a collection. What's her publisher? Short, she's with Random House. Okay. Uh, and it's a collection of short stories coming out in the fall. So a break from the Margaret Atwood dystopia and back to short stories, which is uh, actually my favorite mm-hmm. way of reading Margaret Atwood. All right. Well, I guess we could we could use um, one of the... We saw a booth for Librify mm-hmm. on the show floor, and we can, we can transition a little bit into the bigger world news. Um, and so Target... The you know the store you all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Tarjay, um, Jeff, is they're going to try doing some more ebook stuff, um, and they're going to st- launch a new ebook club thing with Librify, which is one of these ebook startups. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's pretty young. It was founded in uh, early 2013, and they won the book expo version of like a hackathon basically oh, okay. last year. They, it's last year, a yeah. Startup, there's a book startup competition yeah. and Librify won last year. Yeah, that happened late yesterday. We haven't heard. Mm, we have not, I haven't seen, I think yeah. the results are out, but I haven't seen them yet. Yeah, we uh, we ran into some folks talking about that too. So the basic, here's the, here's the deal. Um, it's a subscription service and for nine bucks a month, you get a recommended book, right? So they're picking one mm. for you. Oh, and a 10 to 20% discount on, on all other, other e-books. e-books. So, they have more than 50,000 titles available. No, 500,000. What'd I say? 50. That this would be more than, wouldn't it? 500,000 <laughs> titles for purchase so far. Um, and this story says that's about a half of what Amazon offers through Kindle. Though, does that include self-published stuff? I don't know. I don't it know. Might, it might. So this is something that people mm-hmm. are interested yeah. in, right? You know, if you can get... Um, it's We Like Oyster, which is about mm-hmm. the same amount, yeah. but that's same not necessarily size. a new book. This right. could this doesn't say if it's front list or back list. Yeah. I would assume this might be more front list since you're only getting one yeah, title I for wonder, nine bucks. I wonder how that one title is going to get selected. Like yeah. um, There's the Penny's Pick at Costco, mm-hmm. which is sort of the Costco monthly, uh, for lack of a better term, book club right. selection. And that's a really big deal because Costco sells so much volume of a select few titles mm-hmm. that um, if you get a Penny's Pick as a writer, it's a really big deal to get that. And so I wonder if it'll be curated like that, if there's like a target person who's sitting back there reading. Well, it must be, right? I mean, it says uh, or, you get access to one I mean, recommended book title. But it could also, title. like, it could be sponsored. It could be a publisher oh. buys their way into Or that. some combination so, or some, thereof. Right. Like, we have these five, we're interested. Right. Who's going to pay us the most dollars? Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting, I think, in the larger story of Target and reading technology, because Target sold Kindles when mm-hmm. Kindles first came out. Which they don't anymore. Right, they realized that Amazon was a competitor. They, they sell Nooks. I was in they, there the other right. day, and they have Nooks. Yeah. Uh, but this is sort of a move away from focusing on nooks and on trying to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm both excited to see what all these roll your own experiments look like and, and sort of a little like, oh, it's sweet that you're trying that. Like, yeah. um, it, it seems to me that sometimes the better thing is to work with the big pieces that are available and established, but I'm glad that there's, you know, they're going to try something out. Target's been moving around a lot more than other retailers have with yeah. what they're doing with e-readers. So well, they do have, step. they do, I mean, they do have, all things considered, a nice couple rows of books generally. Yeah, and may. they have the like target. Emer- I think it's emerging. Yeah, they try to pick some different features. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 
and it does um you know it has its own demographic in general like they have books that appeal to most people but they're the end cap is usually like you know the emily giffen right. kind of for a long time for a it was long, all the 50 shades of gray yeah right so i mean if you're the kind of person that when you go buy the book section at Target, you're interested in it, this probably would yeah. be a good deal because $9 for a front list ebook is lower than that you're going to pay. That is a lower price than I typically see on yeah. front list ebooks. They're $12.99, $14.99. Other brand unto yeah. itself. So you're going to get one. And then it's also basically kind of like a membership where it includes discounts on other ebooks that um, Liberify has available. So that's another interesting um, uh, thing that's got so many of these things going. We saw a lot of ebook distribution yeah. solutions that for publishers all the way down to individual mm -hmm. people and stores right. and self-publishers and all, all along the road. It did seem like the self-publisher focused or facing mm -hmm. companies felt more upscale. Yes. Because remember like three years ago, the right. self-publishing stuff felt like very rinky-dink and mm -hmm. by the side. And I don't know if that's because Wattpad and it is a huge company now right. and there's like a lot of other people and, and there's the a lot of money. technology is just better for it. Yeah, Kindle, Kindle DX, uh, their direct publishing service mm -hmm. had a big booth there. So um, a lot more front and center. They did move tech, did you notice? They usually used to the wings uh -huh. and that was right in yeah, the middle of the show really floor. Yeah, that's really interesting. The tech I thought that was interesting. Right I don't know if that's something center. that the tech people <laughs> were wanting or the tech people were paying more for the middle real estate. Mm -hmm. or. Um, yeah, it's certainly a thing that people are thinking yeah, about here. That was that was another difference I noticed on the floor. My first couple BEAs, there were a lot of self-published authors walking around. Like, yeah. you know, a booth is really expensive, and if uh -huh. you're a self-published author, you probably don't have ten or twenty grand just to pay to right. stand behind a table. So they would, um, you know, pay for badges and then just walk around and approach people, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, like the woman who wants to spritz her, their perfume on you at a department right. store and try to, you know, hand sell you their book to, you know, just to take away and read and as a person just wandering that's not a very pleasant experience to be constantly interrupted mm -hmm. and I think Book Expo uh, to their credit listened to the, the criticism or complaints from attendees and they found better ways to offer mm. um, self-published authors promotional opportunities um, that are at a price point that's better than that 10000 or whatever uh, booth but that that does feel friendlier there, yeah. there are still the big uh, hulky guys in very little clothing for Laura's Cave Laura's Cave yeah they're the pirates outside of the, the Dianetics right, L. Ron yeah. Hubbard booth. Um, <laughs> That's the big fun question every year is like, what are the uh, Dianetics L. Ron Hubbard publisher people going to be dressed as this year? Because they publish a lot of science they do. fiction. Yeah, they do. Uh, and it's always something. Like mm -hmm. the pirates, I think I saw like ninjas one year. <laughs> and you're like, what is this? Ha what's happening to me right now? This person is dressed as a pirate. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't as much of that show floor stuntry. We did see yeah. one, someone dressed up as a stormtrooper. Um, that was promoted. Mm -hmm. well, there, that, oh, there's a Chewbacca made of oh, Legos. Oh, and a Boba Fett made of Legos. <laughs> Lego had a nice little booth. I guess a lot of bookstores do Legos as a sideline. Mm -hmm. um, oh, but that's also one other thing, too. I guess we're now back talking to BEA, yeah. but whatever. It's our that's show. Cool. Um, a lot more Star Wars branded books, and I think that's post-Disney buying Lucasfilm, basically, in the Star Wars, that they're taking those licenses out for a spin and oh, seeing yeah. what they can get for them. Disney Hyperion has a big booth, and of course a lot of Star Wars there, but across a lot of the children's publishers, especially there was Star Wars board books and Star Wars story books and chapter books and kind of all the way up and down the line. So if you want Star Wars related books, you're gonna be you're gonna be covered them. for the foreseeable future. Um, all right, what do we let's go back to news. What's next? Read the, the Reading Rainbow Kickstarter. Uh, this was, I think, the 
the big story of the week, I would say, um, LeVar Burton, who I, I know him, you know, you, yeah, I, I know He's, there's names all over the floor here. Um, so he has kept the reading rainbow brand alive and I don't know if he owns it. Do you know the answer to this um, or if he, he is will, working as part owner of some larger company? Yeah, or so, what? I mean, it's not like LeVar Burton and I are pals, but right, I met right. him in the Toronto airport and he was traveling with a business partner that I think they own, they own reading rainbow mm-hmm. together and they relaunched, I think last year with an iPad app that plays you know, video segments rather than mm-hmm. being on TV. So they're they're keeping it alive. There's a new Facebook page, a new Reading Rainbow blog. Um, they're you know moving the community online and away from that cable access mm-hmm. uh, method of getting their shows out to kids. But he's still passionately interested in um, making kids passionate readers and in giving kids uh, access to books. And so that's what this mm-hmm. Kickstarter is about. It's about bringing Reading Rainbow to uh, kids who might not have access to so it. So he brought it back after the show went off the air in 2006 as a tablet app. Um, And the major goal behind this Kickstarter is, you know, a lot of kids and families, especially those most in need of access to books and reading material, don't have tablets. And so he wants to build a big, you know, diverse, rich website um, and then make it free for Mm -hmm. schools, basically. Um, So I... Again, I don't know what the business model is. I don't know. Are they going to need to run another Kickstarter in two years? I, I don't know. I mean, if you're interested in it, you just Google Reading Rainbow Kickstarter. It'll take yeah, it right there. I'm always interested when you know, like celebrities do projects like this in whether they needed to do the Kickstarter yeah. or it was a strategic decision to do it as publicity and getting like public buy-in mm-hmm. and, and mind share. Um, I, or if Reading Rainbow... You know, didn't have the million bucks on their own. I guess that's worth mentioning. Yeah. They set out to raise a million dollars, and the Kickstarter has two been days live. ago. Right, two it's days been ago. live for two days now. They have fifty nine thousand at this moment, six hundred and fifty five backers, and over two point six million. So they're gonna they're going to triple that million dollars mm-hmm. probably by tomorrow, and they have thirty three days left. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people are throwing dollars at Reading Rainbow. One thing I like about Kickstarter is that they require the project organizers to do a risks and challenges section. Just say, you know, this is what we anticipate. Yeah. Uh, here, and I I like, I, I could tell a lot about a project when they give you some straight answers and they have some. One thing I don't like about this, we do not anticipate any significant challenges. Mm. Anyone who's done any web development knows <laughs> that that is just not true. Not how it works. So it's already up to $2.6 million for 33 days to go. I mean, I don't know what this ceiling is. Five million, I guess. Like the last time I saw something go like this was the Veronica Mars mm-hmm. Kickstarter, which yeah. was, I think it did five times, um, yeah. five or seven million dollars. So, um, we'll see. Uh, people have a lot of good feelings about this mm-hmm. show. People of our generation oh, certainly yeah. grew up so watching this. So much nostalgia and um, so it's not a it's not a re- it's not a return of the show. Right. It's using the brand, and maybe they'll do some of those segments like they used to do, but. Um, it's a literacy platform for kids and schools. And it seems like a smart time to do something like this precisely because people of our age, yeah, many of us right. have kids have and kids, are starting yeah. to think about uh, what Reading Rainbow but meant it ran, to us. It ran for 23 years. Yeah, incredible. 26 Emmys and we a were, Peabody Award. We were talking last night. We had dinner. Uh, we have a bunch of Book Riot contributors in town for this. And so we had like 25 of us in one room, mm-hmm. uh, which is a thing that never happens. And we were talking about Reading Rainbow Memories. And uh, many of us are in our mid-30s. So 
we remember the teacher wheeling the TV mm-hmm. on the cart into the classroom and turning Reading Rainbow on. Like it was a part of school programming once a right. week that you were doing this in your language arts class. Um, maybe we should also say we've been mostly off the internet yes, this week we while, while we've been in the Javits uh, Center Vortex for Book Expo. So we've also seen some rumblings that there's been criticism of the Kickstarter or some questions asked. And maybe some of that has to do with that they haven't acknowledged what potential challenges are uh, in their uh, in their presentation here. So if you're thinking about it, I would say look at the Kickstarter, but yeah. then do a Google and uh, and see if I can what find the criticism a, is. If we'll I can find a good synopsis yeah, of I mean, like, I guess, I, can you launch a thing like this and not have somebody get mad or critical? No, you can't, especially not at this scale. Um, but I mean, when you're talking about two million dollars, yeah. and it's a lot of people who, you know, are you know supporting reading. I think there is. I think there's some call to like, what yeah, are these yeah. people gonna? Is what it a private? Is it a right. for-profit corporation right. incorporated around? Is it a nonprofit? Like. Yeah. For me in Kickstarter, it's never, I, I'm not one of those people to say there are things you can and can't do on Kickstarter. That's not, I just want people to be clear about what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Who's getting what and why and what you're going to do with it. Where are these $2 million going right. to go? Yeah. Right. What could you do with 2.6 that you couldn't do with one what, uh, besides pocket some of it? And if that's what they're going to do, fine. Say we're a for-profit corporation. This yeah. is going to be our product. Sure. That's fine. And that just lets people decide for themselves whether or not they want to back it. So, um, Let's go back to the the sad world of the Amazon Hachette feud. Um, Amazon weirdly responded to the ongoing difficulties, I guess, <laughs> the ongoing uh, dispute of, between Amazon and Hachette. Um, and they on a in a blog, well, I guess it was just a forum post. Yeah, on it's their like own a customer side. service forum. Yeah, and weirdly, it's not through in a PR or anything like that, and you can't respond any, in anything. And there's no one's name on it. It's just from the yeah, Amazon, Amazon Books team. You know, team. what you there's, know, I have a Right, there's a no problem. PR contact, so it's Amazon making a statement but not yeah. having any desire for a conversation. Um, and they basically said, yep, we're having a dispute. Um, and that's really what that's they're really, saying. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of it. They acknowledged that... Uh, they're monkeying around with stock and shipping and prices. Um, mm-hmm. the, I, I saw you know, some folks on Twitter interpreting this also as Amazon, uh, as sort of evidence of Amazon's belief that what they're doing is in their customers' best interest long term, that whatever they're holding out with Hachette sure. now, even if they're not shipping customers' books right now, is ultimately for getting customers lower prices. Uh, we've been talking for a couple of weeks about this mm-hmm. and you know the extent to which Amazon drinks their own Kool-Aid and maybe is not thinking about how to best serve their customers in the way that customers will respond to now. But they, they basically were like, yep, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? And uh, I thought it was interesting that they just put this up in a customer service forum rather than issuing a press release or Bezos didn't show up on, you know, mm-hmm. a, a Wall Street Journal interview or anything. It's kind of, it feels kind of very Amazon to be like, well, we're going to post this in a place where it goes to our customers because mm-hmm. uh, these are the people that we want to serve. I feel um, like at least they're being consistent. Yeah, right. And a couple, there's only two things on this I found interesting at all, um, other than Amazon just sort of saying, yes, this is going on. Uh, they said a word about proportion of reading verbatim. This business interruption affects a small percentage of Amazon's demand-weighted units. If you order a thousand items from Amazon, nine hundred and eighty-nine will be unaffected by this interruption. 
that's actually more mm-hmm. than I thought would be effective. Yeah, yeah. I don't exactly what percentage of Amazon's units are demand weighted. I don't know the mm-hmm. answer to that, but they're. I'm guessing that they're using the most favorable statistic for them, yeah. right? If not, if they, if non-demand weighted units gave them a better number, mm-hmm. they're trying to say there's only a small percentage yeah. of things. But this is 1.1% of Amazon units. That's just Hachette. Yeah. Which I think is very interesting. Yeah, yeah, they must sell, in terms of volume, they must sell a lot more books than I think of mm-hmm. when I think of Amazon. Right. Just that it doesn't make up that as big a part of revenue right. because they or profits because they mm-hmm. sell them as a loss leader or very narrow margins a lot of times where they're not selling as many 42-inch um, plasma televisions as they are Fifty Shades of Grey's, right. but they're just doing a lot more volume. Mm-hmm. So that part I think was interesting. Is the author pool the next? That was the next thing. Case. Yeah. So apparently we talked before that they had a, the 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 most recent major one was with Macmillan when Amazon had a dispute. It's been a couple years since that happened, yeah, right? Several years. And um, in that case. The buy buttons were removed from McMillan mm-hmm. titles. And they pretended it was a mistake. And they pretended it was a mistake, yeah. They learned a little bit yeah, from this, yeah. which is they... Uh, and in that case, apparently, they McMillan and Amazon together put together f- a fund for the authors. To, yeah, to alleviate yeah. the So Amazon put in 50% and they asked McMillan to put in 50%. I guess they sort of made some calculation, I guess, of what, yeah. what the it's, lost revenue to authors would have been. Uh, if they had been sold normally, and then they basically each agreed, we'll take responsibility mm-hmm. for it. Which kind of a nice move, I have to yeah, say, right? That's pretty slick, I think. Yeah. I want to know what the dollar amount yeah, is. Yeah, I do too. It just says here that they've offered to Hachette that they'll fund 50% of an author pool that Hachette can allocate however yeah. they want uh, to mitigate the impact of on, of this on author royalties if Hachette funds the other 50%. And they but didn't. what's the starting number? And they didn't. Do you see that? Hachette turned them down. That's... They said, we're not doing this. Um, and, so and, and I don't know they why. did do it with Macmillan. They, so and, or, I, Mac, I wonder, or Macmillan agreed to do it. So man, I want to be a fly on the I wall do too, in that yeah. boardroom. Um, I think I'm gonna do a post next week. Tell me if this is interesting. Where I try to guess how much money Hachette is losing, <laughs> just by like using some very back of the napkin. Yeah, just like you know what percentage, you know what their annual revenue is divided by how much I'm guessing North America mm-hmm. is divided by how much we think Amazon is. So I mean, it won't be right, but at least because like we don't know. Like yeah, if you ask no me idea. how much Hachette is losing from this. It's because the, the, a lot of the ebooks are still mm-hmm. available, right. and the print books are there, but you got to wait two to five. I mean, it's just very hard to know what the stakes are, mm-hmm. um, what's going on here. But I thought this. Yeah, I'm a fan of fuzzy math. Let's yeah, I mean, as long as you acknowledge its fuzziness, then um, <laughs> I think you can get away with a little bit there. So that's going on. There's no foreseeable end to this. It's yeah. gone on longer than yeah, I thought. It has. They, these things usually don't drag out over yeah. weeks, so that's interesting. That I wonder. How, I just wonder how long it will take. Um, in happier news, Jason Stevenson, who's an English teacher, and he's one of our faithful podcast listeners. So hi, Jason. Yeah, hi, Jason. Uh, we're in a room together, and we're <laughs> raising our coffee cups to you. Uh, he polled his students about their favorite books that they read this year, uh, and they made a YouTube video that shows each student's name and the cover of their favorite book. There's a huge variety, and then they did Methodology Corner. That's what uh, I like to hear. Yeah, it's so great. We love to, to hear from listeners when they've done experiments like this and so he polled them about how many books they read this year what their favorite assigned book was and 
that's interesting. If there's some nonfiction on the list, there are some classics. To Kill a Mockingbird was not the universal favorite among his students, wow. uh, which is surprising uh, given at least results to polls that, that we've conducted with Book Riot readers. So we'll drop a link, uh, the YouTube link, into the show notes, and you can watch that as well. Um, and if you uh, are, a, are a faithful listener and you do something like this or you uh, conduct a poll on your own blog or with your students or whatever, uh, we would love to, we love to hear about it. Uh, you know we're big fans of anybody trying out Methodology Corner. All right. So thanks, Jason, for sending that along. Uh, let's do our next sponsor. Yeah. It's a book. Uh, the book is called One Man Guide. It's by Michael Barakiva, um, and it's from Macmillan Teens. And he, I, I'm so glad they're sponsoring this. The, yeah. this, uh, this is the kind of thing we like to hear about. Um, so it's a, it's a gay love story. Um, about a couple of young kids, um, one of which is an Armenian, or are they both Armenian? I, I'm trying I'm to figure not out. Sure. One of which is Armenian, so that's it's pokes good-hearted fun at Armenians, kind of like Big Fat Greek Wedding did with Greeks. But it's a it's a big-hearted love story about two young kids um, and their two li- teens. Two young teens. Kids, two, no, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm getting older, so <laughs> um, so you know it's done with a it's got a light tone, but it's still sweet. It's about falling in love um, and the, the way that, you know, the world feels bigger mm-hmm. when you find someone that you feel like you can share that with it. No, oh, I just got a little goosebumps. Yeah, Michael Barakiva, um, he's from the theater world and he's a director and he worked for a long time with the playwright Wendy Wasserstein. So if you know anything about the theater world, you know that's a big name and done all kinds of stories in all kinds of places. Um, so while it's a gay love story, it's also a lot about family, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we all know, if you grow up gay in America, especially if you're from an immigrant community, there's all kinds of things going on. Um, and this is about that as well. And there's one of the things that you love in fiction, which is a New York It's City. a New York, a summer in New York. Yep, summer in New York. I love New York in June. How uh, about you? Yeah, Alec and Ethan, the two teen boys in the couple, spend a lot of time in New York City on you know hazy summer days. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great cover for this book, and we've seen it on Book Riot uh, several times. So it's being recommended by our contributors as yeah. well. There was a post uh, earlier this week from a new contributor of ours named uh, Jessica Pride, who was writing about LGBT and interracial mm-hmm. uh, young adult romance stories. And I just, I think it's great that these stories are getting published it and is. we're seeing more of them. And, and, and while we're seeing more of them, we're going to celebrate those and point them out. So uh, we're thrilled to have this book sponsoring the show. And it's called, again, One Man Guy by, by Michael Barakiva. Barakiva. Um, and you can find that. We'll drop a link to the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to find out more there or go find it wherever books are sold or your local library yeah, if it's if not there it, request it yeah if you read it shout us out on twitter let us know yeah. we love to hear from uh from listeners about books that we've recommended or books that they heard about here and how those landed with you is it a score okay let's go to new books is it a okay. score to have your book released during bea week or is that a bummer what do you think mm. about that because there's some there's some good books here right you know I, you know, I don't know. We should ask an author. Well, because Emma Straub's The Vacationers, which we've been talking about for a long well, time. It's so good. Um, it was uh, 200 arc, uh, advanced reader yeah. copies got packed in with the cord- their most recent quarterly box. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, it was released yesterday. Which is weird. Which is weird because new, new release day is Tuesday. Yeah. So were they trying to like put it in the middle of Maybe? BEA to I don't do know. that? I saw it. Or Emma, was it because of Memorial Day? I they saw don't... Emma the other night and she was like, I don't know, Thursday. Who knows why they did it? <laughs> I mean, there's two competing reasons. One, they want a date. They want more time clear Memorial Day. Sure. Um, the second might be maybe they want it released right in the middle of the 
and hot center we, of BB. And she, Emma is wonderful and lovely, and they have been doing, um, she's been doing stuff with Book Expo, mm-hmm. and she's at a bunch of parties. Riverhead threw a huge party the other night on a boat, and she was one of yeah. the authors that they were celebrating. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'd be curious about how authors feel about it. it. It would be kind of great. Like, you don't just have your own release party, but you have the whole industry. Yeah, out right. I guess that's your true. Release party. On the other hand, a lot of the press and booksellers and yeah, people are true. not doing their regular and, jobs. Well, so. and it's been you know, press and booksellers have probably read it already. Yeah, like the I galleys guess that's have been true. out for a while. True. And I read it earlier in the winter, but since we talked about getting the band back together, mm. uh, it is one of those books. The Vacationers is about a family that um, uh, mom and dad have been married for a couple of decades. The marriage is on the rocks a little bit because she's discovered that he was having an affair. Uh, their 18-year-old daughter has just graduated from high school, and so they are going, they, they go to Mallorca for, I think, two weeks. Uh, they rent this lovely house on a hillside in Spain, uh, but it's the parents, the daughter, uh, the mother's best friend and his partner and the couple's older son and his girlfriend and seems like the whole family is in this house on vacation uh, and things happen the teenage daughter is on a mission to like meet a boy and lose her virginity the couple are trying Mm. to figure out their marriage what's happening how do they go forward um, from this affair that was had i think it's really wonderful it's a great uh, we're going to be talking about it as a great summer read but it's just a good read. If you mm. liked Maine by J. Courtney Sullivan a few years ago, this is right up your alley. Uh, or Instructions for a Heat Wave by Maggie O'Farrell. I, I really, really loved it. The next one, um, I'm going to try to pitch it, even though I haven't read it, because I've heard enough people talking about it, and I'm super interested. I'm not sure I'm going to get to this, but it's definitely got my um, my attention. It's called Red or Dead by David Peace. It's out, this, it's out now from mm-hmm. Melville House. It's a 700-page experimental novel about the life of an English soccer coach. Okay. Um, which, that seems to me, if, you know, you're crossing a couple of uh, mm-hmm. circles and getting kind of small there. But it's apparently, um, it's about, he, this, David Peace also wrote The Damned United, which was a, a, a book about the short um, career of the, the um, coach of Leeds United, who had a lot of success there, but he's very controversial, mm-hmm. made it to a really nice movie, which I've seen. Um, and here, he it's a real character, uh, Bill Shankly, is the main character of Red or Dead, who was the coach of Liverpool from 1959 to 1974, and he turned that into one of the great English football clubs, uh, soccer, for mm-hmm. those of you who don't know how to translate from British. So he, he does... A lot of a lot of different kinds of things. So there's pieces that are a bunch of short sentences. Um, there are scenes that are really intricately described. There are scenes that are told retold several times with really just small variations between mm. them. So it feels like he's using this kind of like you know Melville used the hunting of a whale to do a bunch of other stuff. Cool. Um, I, I'm not saying it's structurally or yeah. thematically or stylistically like that, but it's kind of the same idea. We're going to take this specific thing, go into in crazy detail, but then do a lot of things with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 700 pages, and uh, Eric Smith, who writes with us, um, Preeti, who writes with us... Preeti has a tattoo has, has from a tattoo. Um, Melville House, I mean, this is what 
publishers do, but even more north, they're just yeah. saying this is something well, people to check out. It is hard to get people excited about a yeah. seven hundred page book if it's not by Donna Tart. Yeah, I think and Jen, Jen Northington mm -hmm. read it and, and really was it, blown away the, by it. The thing that I've been hearing about it too is that you don't need to be a soccer fan. Yeah, to that's really, that's the first thing I asked last yeah, night. Yeah, it was like, to find it interesting. Yeah. It sounds to me a couple of years ago I read um, the Legend of Pretty Matthew by Shehan Karuna Talaka, which is from mm -hmm. Grey Wolf Press, but about a cricket player. And there's a lot of cricket inside baseball stuff uh, in the book, and I don't know a darn thing about cricket, but I was fascinated by the character's stories, what was going on, and he sort of just let the cricket stuff uh, wash over you in yeah. your unknowingness. So that's my plan. That sounds uh, like a good plan. If I, I give like Red or Dead a shot, is to just not care that I don't <laughs> know all the soccer stuff, but um, Preeti, who got the tattoo from the book, has been talking about just how much this book reminded her of what language can do. Yeah. Uh, and, and that makes me excited. That's what, I, that's what I heard, is like, if you're coming for the soccer, well, I don't know, but they said if you aren't there for the soccer, it, you, it probably won't matter. Yeah. If you're interested in people doing amazing things with language, um, buckle up because you've got <laughs> 700 pages to try out. All right, tell us we got yeah, a paperback. Yeah, new in paperback yeah, is um, And Sons by David Gilbert, uh, which is also kind of a getting the gang back together mm -hmm. novel. It's about a writer who is sort of a modern day equivalent of J.D. Salinger. He wrote a book that was big in the 70s that was a big coming of age story, the, the novelist in the book. Uh, and now he is ill. He believes he's at the end of his life. And so he's brought his adult sons back uh, to the family home in New New York and he has a teenage son uh, from a second marriage and so it's the the guy sort of wrestling with the kind of mm -hmm. father that he's been uh, the, there's that father-son dynamic that, that can be so interesting in fiction and it's interesting and there's a crazy twist um, <laughs> in the book uh, but sort of that literary New York uh, in jokes about the publishing world but a look at a writer's life and an examination of family and the father-son relationship I didn't think it was a perfect book, mm -hmm. um, but I really liked a whole lot of it. And, and if you're trying to Google it, it's not A and D sons, it's that and symbol. Sand, yeah. So if you're by David Gilbert, um, that's that's one I wanted to get to, and maybe I will again mm -hmm. someday for sure. I think that's where I think that's our show. We got to get ready. We do. We got to get out of here. Put on real pants. Yeah. Go talk to people. Go talk to people. So um, for the next week's show, well, whatever we find out today. Uh, and tomorrow, what's going on, we'll let you know. Yeah, if you are if you happen to be at Book Expo and you're seeing interesting stuff yeah. that you want us to know about. or uh, And if you know what's going on week. with the, the Justin Cronin book. If you got insider yeah, dope about know. why it's not here, we definitely want to know that. As always, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Reading Abe. She's Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. You can leave us comments um, on the post. The show notes are at bookriot.com slash podcast. You can leave us comments there. You can all the links to the books and stories we talked about. We'll be there today. Uh, we'll be there as soon as the show goes up. You can um, write us a review on iTunes. You can rate us on iTunes. You can also rate and review us on Stitcher. Stitcher, yeah. If you like Stitcher, it's, we're over there too, um, which a lot of people really like. I need to spend more time playing I've heard it's one. good for like the discovery. If yeah. you like this show, you'll like these other yeah. shows. Which... I, I wish you'd try that out and see um, what else we can find. Uh, and if you want to shoot us an email, anything that you need to let us know or want us to know, podcast at bookriot.com. Is that we'll it? You, yeah, we'll talk to you, we'll next, talk to you week next week from our separate From offices. our regular, comfortable places where we know what we're doing. We don't have to make eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.